Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology podcast in conversation with I'm Hugh Thomas, the Deputy Editor. In this episode, we're discussing a series paper that appears in our March 2022 issue. Uh, Now, this is part of a collaborative pair of articles that we've published in conjunction with Lancet Oncology, focusing on early onset colorectal cancer. So our half of the series covers the epidemiology, clinical features, biology, risk factors, and aspects of early detection and prevention, whereas the Lancet Oncology paper, led by Professor Kathy Eng and colleagues, discusses treatment and management of patients in a complementary fashion. So joining me to discuss our series paper is the lead author on the piece, Dr. Swati Patel. Dr. Patel is an associate professor at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Center in Aurora, where she is the director of the Gastrointestinal Hereditary Cancer Program. She is also a member of the United States Multi-Society Task Force on Colorectal Cancer and recently led their updated colorectal cancer screening guidelines. Dr. Patel, thank you very much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you so much for having me. So taking it right back to the very beginning then, how do we define early onset colorectal cancer and what do we really know about the epidemiology? That's a great question. You know, we've observed a stable or actually decreasing incidence of colorectal cancer worldwide, and that's in large part likely due to a combination of an uptake of screening as well as decrease in risk factors such as smoking. In contrast, unfortunately, we've seen the incidence of colorectal cancer in younger individuals steadily rise worldwide. So when we talk about the term early onset colorectal cancer, this is really the group that we're referring to. There's not really a specific age cutoff, uh, at least biologically speaking. However, by convention, we refer to early age onset colorectal cancer as those individuals diagnosed under the age of 50. And although there's not really something specifically different between those individuals diagnosed at, for instance, age 49 versus age 51, Uh, That cutoff seems to be intuitive because many countries, in fact, recommend starting screening at age 50, although that's uh, that's changing recently. And so that's really how we uh, define early age onset colorectal cancer by convention, individuals diagnosed with cancer under the age of 50. When we kind of talk about what we've observed over the last several decades, internationally, in fact, uh, we've seen an increase in incidence rates in all age groups under the age of 50. Most of these trends have been observed in westernized countries in Europe and around the world. But in fact, we're also seeing these trends more recently in countries such as Taiwan, Japan, Hong Kong, as well as South Korea. One of the unique exceptions, uh, actually, is that in Italy, we're actually seeing a decrease in incidence in early age onset colon cancer. We'll talk about why that's of particular interest. When we look at subgroups, uh, there's a few interesting observations. Incidentally, uh, we find that Uh, As expected, the absolute incident rates are actually higher as individuals approach the age of 50. So risk increases uh, as folks approach age 50. But when we look at the rates of change over the last several decades, the steepest rise actually is occurring in those younger individuals. So, for example, for 20 to 29 year olds in a group of 20 uh, European uh, nations, when we compare incidence rates from 2004 to 2016, the percent change in 20 to 29 year olds was 7.9% per year. That's in contrast to 40 to 49 year olds where there also has been an increase, but that percent annual percent change was 1.6%. So although the absolute rates are higher in 40 to 49 year olds compared to 20, 29 year olds, we're seeing the steepest rise in this younger patient population. And these rates uh, and trends have been observed in European countries as well as in the United States. 
To better understand these trends, there have been kind of some interesting modeling studies performed. One of these is period cohort modeling, which uh, shows that the incidence curves for 50 to 54-year-olds in the United States when looking at SEER data is similar to older individuals when we look at age groups for those born in the 1970s and 1980s, but then starts to reflect the younger age groups as individuals approach the mid-1990s. So what this suggests is something called a birth cohort effect, and that's essentially where younger cohorts appear to be carrying this elevated risk with them as they age. And that's kind of different than, for instance, a period cohort effect, which may be because of some change in medical practice or screening, for instance. And so this inflection point for those 50 to 54-year-olds, when we look at those incidence curves, looks to happen right at around the time that individuals are born in the 1960s or so. So what that suggests to us is that there may be generation-specific risk factors that are contributing to the rise in early age onset colon cancer. Right. So obviously we know, you know, we've heard really well that the, the, the epidemiology is changing and, and we have these different subgroups experiencing different, different rises in incidence. Does that manifest in, in terms of differences in clinical features as well? Yes. What's very interesting is that it appears that early age onset colorectal cancer presents differently than later age onset disease. Now, a caveat is that a lot of the studies that describe the differences uh, in clinical presentation of young patients versus older patients include a very heterogeneous patient population. Uh, but with that said, young patients are much more likely to present with symptoms such as rectal bleeding, abdominal pain, changes in bowel patterns. And unfortunately, they have a significantly longer delay between the time those symptoms occur and the time they're actually diagnosed. And so for young patients, that can take 250 days almost compared to older patients where from time of symptom onset to diagnosis is closer to 150 days. Younger individuals are much more likely to have anatomically left-sided colon cancers, particularly rectal cancers, and they tend to have more aggressive disease. And so they're much more likely to have um, under the microscope mucinous features, uh, signet ring cells, or tumors that have poor or no differentiation. Younger folks are actually also much more likely to present at later stages of disease, so those that have uh, distant involvement or metastatic disease. But paradoxically, they actually have better stage-matched or stage-specific survival compared to those over the age of 50. So just in terms of individual factors that are, that are influencing early-onset disease, uh, what do we know about the genetics and epigenetic features? Recent studies have shown that approximately 14 to about 25% of all patients diagnosed with colon cancer under the age of 50, regardless of tumor characteristics, regardless of family history, have some germline genetic predisposition. And this is really based on a variety of studies that have been conducted over the past five or six years where multi-gene panel germline genetic testing has been done in a relatively unselected population of early age onset colon cancer patients. What we know about these germline variants is that approximately half are considered germline variants associated with a known risk of colorectal cancer and in genes, for instance, that are associated with syndromes such as Lynch syndrome or familial polyposis. What's interesting is that the remaining germline variants that are found are in what we consider moderate penetrance uh, risk genes, so those that have been associated with a slightly increased risk of colorectal cancer 
And then surprisingly, there's some that are uh, found in genes that typically have not historically been associated with colorectal cancer risk, such as those uh, genes that are associated with hereditary breast and ovarian cancer syndrome, such as BRCA1 and 2. So some surprising findings as uh, these studies have come out doing multi-gene panel testing. But nonetheless, 14 to 25% of all early age onset cancers have some very specific germline genetic variant that we can identify with genetic testing. There's really not any evidence to suggest that the proportion of genetic contribution to early age onset disease is changing over time. What we also know is that an additional 25 to 35%, even with genetic testing uh, being uninformative, have some family history of colorectal cancer or advanced colorectal polyps. So even without a clear germline predisposition, an additional 25 to 35% have some unspecified familial component. And we know that a, a first-degree family member with either colorectal cancer or advanced colon polyps significantly increase risk of colon cancer. And so uh, this also contributes to, to disease in younger individuals. In terms of the remaining, we, we really don't fully understand whether there may be a, a unique kind of genetic or epigenetic signature to these individuals. There's a lot of interesting uh, recent data that suggests that these young individuals may very well have a unique uh, molecular tumor profile. There are some studies that suggest that even if you exclude patients who have Lynch syndrome, which we know typically will have microsatellite unstable tumors, that young patients still have a higher proportion of microsatellite unstable tumors. And then more recently, there's been this recognition of microsatellite and chromosomally stable tumors or max tumors. Uh, these are tumors that are near diploid and they actually are observed in higher frequency in early age onset individuals and particularly in early age onset individuals who have rectal cancers. I think what we still are trying to tease out is whether this is a unique signature of early age onset patients versus whether this is more of a unique signature to the anatomic location, the rectal, rectal location of these tumors. So still a lot of work that needs to be done to understand some of these uh, molecular profiles and epigenetic signatures, but these tumors do appear to be different than later age onset tumors. Really fascinating. Just in terms of the kind of more extrinsic uh, risk factors that are influencing uh, individual risk and, and potentially driving, you know, population level increase in incidence, what do we know about those? It's a great question. So we have uh, quite a body of evidence on uh, typical risk factors associated with overall colorectal cancer risk and colorectal cancer risk in older individuals. And so some of those risk factors certainly do play out in early age onset disease. So there's been studies that show that the typical risk factors that we think of, such as smoking, obesity, increased consumption of processed meats, excess alcohol use, that we know can increase risk in older individuals, also appears to be associated with early age onset disease. There have been recent studies that have also shed light on some unique risk factors. Some of these are associated with some of the factors that I mentioned. So sedentary lifestyles are associated with early age onset uh, colorectal cancer. What's really interesting is that one study showed that sedentary lifestyles were, were associated with overall colorectal cancer risk in young patients, but significantly more so contributing to rectal cancer risk. 
We also have data that shows that individuals that have high consumption of westernized uh, diets and consumption of high sugar beverages are associated with early onset colon cancer, which is a unique observation that hasn't really been well, well established, at least in the older population. And then similar to the older population, there's data that suggests that in young patients, consumption of fruits, vegetables, uh, sort of a Mediterranean diet appears to be protective. So just, you know, kind of taking that forwards, what we know about risk factors and and, and, uh, causes at the present, are there any opportunities there for early detection and early prevention and risk stratification, these sorts of things? Absolutely. So, you know, I think to summarize all of this, putting all this together, I think it's all very, very interesting, but we still don't fully understand why we are seeing a rise in this incidence. There's a lot of interesting hypotheses based on, you know, what we've talked about in terms of the observed epidemiology, some of these biologic observations, these risk factors. But I think the most important thing for for clinicians and for patients at large are the opportunities for early detection and prevention uh, that you ask about. We know, as we mentioned, that the vast majority of early age onset patients present with symptoms. And we know that there's a significant delay between the time those symptoms occur and the time they're diagnosed. So I think that's one of our lowest hanging fruit as an as a international society, is to really focus on prompt recognition of symptoms and prompt and thorough evaluation of these symptoms. And so the delays, you know, of course, are multifactorial. These are young patients that oftentimes uh, may not necessarily be as engaged in medical care, may themselves dismiss these symptoms as benign. But, you know, overcoming that uh, with, you know, public health messages uh, to emphasize to young individuals that colon cancer is not just an old person's disease, that if they have symptoms such as bleeding, changes in their bowel patterns, or are found to have iron deficiency anemia for any reason, or abdominal pains that just aren't explained in any other way, that really they should bring this to the attention of their medical provider. And from the medical community's perspective, we really need to do a much better job of putting our bias aside. And although we always hope that our young, healthy patients are young and healthy, to always consider the the possibility uh, that their symptoms could be associated with high-risk colorectal pathology and really ensure prompt evaluation of these symptoms. For any symptoms that are unexplained, these individuals deserve a lower endoscopy. And that, you know, maybe in the form of a flexible sigmoidoscopy or uh, potentially a full colonoscopy, depending on uh, the symptoms. But if there are unexplained symptoms in young individuals, I think that's our most immediate low-hanging fruit to ensure timely uh, and thorough evaluation. I think the other kind of huge area of opportunity is in emphasizing the importance of thorough collection and action on cancer family history. Many patients are are well aware that risk of different cancers is dependent on a family history. And so I think the messaging really needs to be that the moment a patient meets their physician, however young or old they are, to really thoroughly discuss and review that family history and determine whether those individuals um, are eligible for earlier screening. Because certainly in many countries, if you have a first degree family member with colorectal cancer, that does uh, really make an individual eligible for earlier screening. And many patients can be detected in that fashion, given that, like I said, 35% of uh, early age onset patients have some family history of of cancer. I think, you know, there's a lot of interesting controversy and questions about the approach to population-based 
screening. So this is for individuals without necessarily uh, symptoms, without family history. And, you know, many countries have uh, screening programs that balance really resource uh, availability. And so this likely needs to be customized to, to, the, to the setting, but there are discussions uh, in, in countries to potentially expand uh, colorectal cancer screening to younger patient populations. So I can speak, for instance, for the United States, where historically colorectal cancer screening has always started at the age of 50. And just uh, since 2018, really acknowledging these trends in our country, up through 2021, many of our professional societies, including the U.S. Uh, Preventive Services Task Force, the Multi-Society Task Force, uh, the American Cancer Society, the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, have all come to consensus that we should actually expand average risk screening to those 45 and older. And so that's a big change for us here in the United States. And there's lots of unanswered questions about how best to operationalize that and make screening equitable in our healthcare system uh, to all individuals. But conversations that I think will will likely be be ongoing. Sure. And so just to lead off of the point of, of, of questions being unanswered, what do you see then as the major research questions moving forwards? There are many, but I think probably the central unanswered question is still etiology. We still don't understand why there's been a steady rise in early age onset incidents over the last several decades. And some of the observations that we talk about in the paper, the epidemiologic observations, how there's sort of this more delayed increase that we're seeing in more recently westernized countries suggests that there's something within our exposome, if you will, that's contributing uh, to this risk. And so I think a large area of investigation uh, will likely be in further identifying uh, the etiology to this rise. And part of that, I think, will come from what we hope will be long-term prospective cohort studies that really examine exposures, ideally even before birth, and assess, you know, the, the degree of risk factors that can occur very early on through childhood, through early adulthood, and with hopefully collecting biospecimens throughout the life course of individuals in a large kind of prospective cohort uh, way to be able to link some of these exposures, some of these environmental risk factors to really what's happening within these tumors to assess why, why these rates are increasing. I think other areas uh, that are likely to, to develop will be approaches to personalized risk assessment. At present, we really rely on a patient's uh, family history of colon cancer, for instance, to assess whether they might be uh, candidates for more intensive screening. I think as we develop uh, more sophisticated, for instance, polygenic risk uh, scores and risk models, there will be likely developments in much more personalized screening approaches that take into account family history, environmental risk factors, but then also specific uh, germline genetic profiles. Uh, so I think there's going to be a lot of development um, in this field over the next uh, several years and, and really excited to see how things uh, evolve. Dr. Patel, thank you very much for giving us that wonderful summary of your series paper. I mean, it's really clear that there's uh, an awful lot of amazing research being done and, and, and still to come in the future. So thank you very much. Great. Thank you so much for having me. You can read the entire series on early onset colorectal cancer online now at thelancet.com. Thank you to Dr. Patel and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology podcast in conversation with. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you usually get them.